Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker, and Harav Nissen. What an honor to have you all here today, and hopefully, Mertesham, we'll be able to take your question and comment regarding the mental health field. The number to call in to ask your question or, or comment is 718-683-5858, And from what I know, Arvnissa, we've got Mrs. Ms. B. from England. Hello? Yes, hello. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? We hear you loud and clear. Okay. So, basically, I'm a student, and I've got this. Oh, first of all, let me thank you for your line. I really enjoy it when I call in. And, I, yes, I really appreciate this line. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, so I've got this question. I'm a student, and I feel that in a setting where I am, those around me are, like, really negative, and I feel, like, quite positive. So, so what can I do to still want to be in their surroundings and to still want that they should be my company? So I could use a little bit more information. Could you tell me what you mean that people are, are negative? What way are they negative? How are you positive? Sorry? Sorry? How, give me some more information. It's a very general question. How are students around you negative? How are you positive? Share with me some details. Okay, so when it comes um, to conversations about talking about the uh, people working at the setting and everything, all I have to say is complaints, and, and I actually do enjoy being a student. I do enjoy where I am, but... So I do want to join in this, this in the conversation with them, but not if they have any complaints about it. So you want to have a conversation with your friends, and they're always negative about stuff. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So what I find, and this is an issue that comes up many times to people when they're starting to get healthy, and let's say they're in a family environment, or in your example, which is also very common, where they have friends, and friends are in the negative mode, Mm-hmm. What I find that works most is it's called having an agenda. Having an agenda is what we use in the business terms, that when the person is going to have a meeting, let's say the leader or the owner of the company, so they have an agenda means there are four topics that we're going to discuss. And part, or usually like the fourth or the fifth topic would be what are other concerns that people have. But what happens is when you have an agenda means there is a focus, there is a goal. What's the goal? So what's happening is, seems like you want to speak positive, your friends are the ones picking the agenda. They're picking the conversation, the topics, and it's negative. What would happen if you would start picking a positive agenda? It means you would start going on, do you know what I did last night? I was looking into volunteering, or I was studying, and I really enjoyed this hummus, or I really enjoyed this subject, or I learned a new way to bake, and I enjoyed it. Do you bake? Do you like baking? Do you have any of those ideas? Have you tried it? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to pick the topic, and you can have three, four topics to go into to choose. So one could be baking. One could be is there family simchus or something going on and talk about the family stuff. Or you could pick a certain story that you heard, you know, uh, uh, like an mm-hmm. emotional story or a story about hashkafa. But you'll start picking the agenda, and you'll find that people follow agendas that people start. Mm. So, basically, I shouldn't speak with those girls about the setting because then I'll, 
about the people working in the setting, because then I'll hear only negative responses. Let's rephrase it. What you're saying is, or what you heard me say is, that you shouldn't speak to these people about negative topics, correct? Yeah, I shouldn't, yeah. What I am saying is something a little bit different. What I am saying is prepare a conversation. So when you'll say, hi, Hani, how are you? Do you know what happened to me last night? I'm preparing for my cousin's wedding, or I heard a story on something on the J-Root, or, or I heard something from Chazak Hotline, whatever it should be, a mm-hmm. beautiful story. Do you notice how the difference, what I'm saying and what you're saying? Mm. What I'm saying is you start leading, lead. People will follow. People are looking for leaders. People are looking for someone to start. People will follow. I heard a magnificent story to me. This is something that's really interesting, but someone told me that there were a couple of groups upstate this past Shabbos, and they were discussing, do you ever listen to the J-Root? And they go, yeah. They say, you know, I love the program with Mordechai Weinberger and Arav Nissen. It was very cute. I'm saying people are, people are sitting around when they're talking. Who's going to lead the topic that people are talking about? Mm-hmm. And many times it's the negative people that might start the topic, and once they start, the conversation continues there. So I'd like you to do a trial on me, uh, you know, a role play. Try it on me. Start a hello and pick a positive topic. Uh, sorry again. I should t- so what should I do? I would like you so uh, let's let's assume it let's let's assume I was you and I would let's be going into class and I'd go, Hi Ms. B. Do you know what happened? Something very, very interesting last night. Last night I was with the family and it was just so nice sitting around and talking to them. It was a hard fast and the whole family was calm. I just had a peaceful day. It really was a very peaceful fast for me. Mm-hmm. generally they will add on saying, yeah, you know, I also had a very nice day, or I had an easy fast, or I had a hard fast, but then the day worked out wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, like you but to try the thing is, uh, what do I do when they do say negative comments? Notice how you're stuck there. I want you to focus on the positive. First mm-hmm. try saying that the positive. Basically, I shouldn't focus on the negative comments, what they're saying. It's not about focusing. Focus. Again, I feel, but let me clarify what I feel you're not getting. What I feel you're focusing is on you focusing. And what I'm talking about is you leading. Notice the word focus and lead. What's the difference between focusing and leading? Mm. So I should lead the conversation, basically. Ah, now you got it. Now you got me smiling. What's the difference <coughs> if you focus or if you lead? What would you say is the difference between the two? Mm. Uh, basically, I should lead the conversation and make sure it only goes in a positive route. Good. And what's the and what's focus? Focus is um, I focus what they're saying all the time. That's right. So leading is when I work with the family members. When they have a family member that's not well or certain negative environments, I have them lead the conversations, or speak mm-hmm. to the family members that are healthy and lead them. So you'll have a group of two or three healthy family members. Well, you might have 15 unhealthy people at a simcha, but you can choose to sit next to the two or three people that are healthy, lead a healthy circle, and you will find find four or five more healthy people start sitting at your table or discussing your healthy topic. Mm -hmm. And um, then can I ask you a second question? Go ahead. Um, So so how do we actually... uh, view good in people if we see so many wrongs in them? And also, what do I do if 
I've got I've got girls which I don't want to have any anything with them. But then again, I also don't want to ignore them. So let's take that. I mean, I want to hear what Rav Nissen has to say about this concept when you're around negative people. How do you deal with it? Okay. You know, what I said is focus on the positives or lead the positive. What do you say, Rav Nissen? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Rav <Mordechai. laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's funny that uh, it's happened to me ev- almost every Shabbat. This is the most crucial time, you know, because... For me, I'm trying to keep Shabbat without nonsense, to, not talking about, uh, you know, politics and uh, sports and stuff. And people coming to around you, oh, what do you say about uh, Mr. Obama? What he said about this politics and stuff like this? And running that, the issue, the taking out the Shabbat, for example. So what I'm doing, I'm basically turn over the, you know, uh, it's not Obama, it's not Netanyahu, it's a Kadosh Baruch Hu, and let's consider what he's doing with Kadosh Baruch Hu. Yad, yad Melachim Vesarim in the end of the Kadosh Baruch Hu. That's t- you basically starting and move it to your direction, to the positive side, to things that is really supposed to be, you know, I've, because always, always around ourselves, we have people that, you know, Nuji, like this, you know, they always see the black stuff around, you know, the black th- things. They always the, 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 the people that makpidim and looking, the, oh, you said something good, oh, it was I, I had a good time with my family. But, you know, you have all the people with the but, and there's no but. No, not just, that's, that's uh, doing the good stuff. You know, it really, really was nice. The ice cream with my daughter last night was great, and we enjoyed going to to buy the ice cream. Even the neighborhood was it's not such a nice neighborhood, but we bought it. You know? Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. let's take, let's say, your second question about people that are negative. I want you to realize what Harav Nissim just said. We're all around those people. You go to shul, you'll have someone that way. And here is when you talk about focusing, like that's probably you'd like me to say, focus on their strengths. I don't want you to focus on their strengths. I want you to start leading. Now, if you're focusing on the five negative people and you're going to have ten positive things, you're not going to be able to, to appreciate what you have. There's a concept, let's say when you drive a car, if you don't, there's a pothole, it means there's a hole, I don't know what you say in England, but if there's a hole on the floor in the road and when you're driving, if you mm-hmm. don't want to hit the hole on the floor and you're staring at the hole, what you want to miss, you're guaranteed to hit it. It means wherever your mm-hmm. eyes are going, that's where you're going to end up hitting. What they teach you in avoiding these potholes and accidents is turn, look where you want to go to. Don't look at what you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we now have room and availability to take your questions. So if you call in, Merit Hashem will be able to take it right away. So again, just to be focusing with you, I don't want to tell you focus on your friends or if you have a friend that you don't want that much or they're negative. You're focusing on them. They want you and you're stuck in their game. I want you to tell me how many friends do you want to be close to. And let's focus on and start leading how you will be close to those friends that you do have. Mm-hmm. Do you get how I'm answering your question? Yeah, very, very well. Um, yeah, I'm very clear now. Yeah, the focus is not what you don't want. We don't want to not hit the pothole. The more you look at that pothole, you're going to hit the pothole. It's about mm-hmm. which friends do I want to have. Let me start focusing. How do I hang around those friends? 
How do I get mm-hmm. those friends to do or to be available with what I want? What are the topics I want to talk about? And I start talking about it. Who's the one friend I can arrange to sit next to at a wedding or at class so we can be positive? That's mm-hmm. the focus. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. Wait, let me hear you. Say that again. I thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. I'm really touched that you stayed up that late. Thank you. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And and we are going to go to Mr. M. Mr. M, you're on the air. Hi, Mordechai. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Fantastic. Thanks for your show, and it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Great. So let me hear. You got a question or a comment? I have a question. If you could maybe help me out with or some tools on how to build relationships with new people as far as going to the country. Yep. I've been in the same place for the last three, four years, and I'm having a hard time to connect. Wow, that's a great topic that you're bringing up, and I'd like to share with you why. Because I would say from experience, from working with so many people, there is a huge social anxiety that happens to adults when they go to the bungalow colony. And why is that? Because when we're in yeshiva, we have that level. When we go to camp at the younger ages, we have that level. And why is that? Because we're all of a sudden, let's say, one boy or one girl amongst a class of 20-something kids, and now where are we in our place? How are we going to find our situation? But once we're married, we're really in our own lives. We come home to our house, we're busy paying the bills, or we're learning and coil, or whatever it should be, the men, and the women are the same thing. You've got kids, or you're working, and you're busy at that level, and you really don't have to fit in and belong like that social anxiety, not, I don't use the word anxiety, but that social belonging. All of a sudden, when we come to the mountains, to the country, and all of a sudden there are 30, 40, 100 bungalows, whatever it should be of a group, and also we start having those same old stuff that we had in Yeshiva, the five popular loud ones, and they've got their group, and no one can join, and they went somewhere, and then they talk about where they went, and all of a sudden you've got people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and even 60s, start finding themselves in, who's my friend? How many people are looking at me? It's almost like the Michigan, we wake up in the morning, we want to, did I get any texts? People are signing up just to get texts to see how many people are interested about me. Oh, I had 15 texts while I slept, now I know I'm popular. And going now to the mountains starts bringing this up to many, many people, the same, the same emotion. And now we start going, how do I make friends? Um, I'm in a new place, and those are set up in advance that people know each other or the popular ones. So your issue that you're bringing up, I greatly appreciate it because I would probably call it one of those silent issues that adults are going through that's not discussed. One of the positives of going through this experience is we can understand our children when they tell us that they don't have friends or when they tell us that they don't have a close friend. Because now we can experience it and realize that if this is what we're going through when we're adults and we're successful, imagine what children or teenagers are going through when they don't have our skill or our confidence. So that is reason number one why I appreciate this, con- this question so much. Besides for the question and the content, it's also to be able to relate to our children and to our teenagers what they go through. 
as for a response, as for an answer, I'm going to share with you an answer that I usually respect. I usually respond to most of our to the teenagers when they call up, and then I'd like to hear our Nissan's opinion of, on take on this. But my suggestion that I have for teenagers is all I'm going to ask you to do is find one or maybe two friends in the entire colony who you would like to connect to. Doesn't mean to be your best friend. They don't have to be a best friend, but you can hang around with them, sit with them together. That's the question that we would like to be able to get you. And now my question is, do you have one or two people that you would feel comfortable sitting with or schmoozing or getting close to? Um, the problem is it's not the comfort of the issue. It's for the men. We're mostly there just for the weekend. And by the time we start connecting, we're going home. Yes. Well, I don't have an issue reaching out and going out to people and hanging around a little bit. But for the time it takes to get that connection, that's where, we, where I lose it. Yeah. So your question is that you're looking for a certain type of connection or certain intensity, intense or close connection, and by the time you start building it, everyone disconnects and separates. Yes. And most people, let's say, are in place are there for 10 years, which they already have that, and they can just utilize it over the weekend, where I find myself being a loner at that time. Can you just say the last part one more time? I say people that are there for five, six, seven years already, yes. and they have built that already, so the weekend is good enough time to have that intense connection. For myself, I feel lonely at that time. Right. So what also happens is when people are doing it for a while, they're used to it, and therefore they've built up just, like, we'll call it weekend friendships. And you're still looking to either learn how to create weekend friendships, or maybe you're looking for a more intense or a more longer-term friendship, and these people might not be capable of that. No, what I'm saying is I see a lot of people who have that strong connection. And over the weekend, you can see it. And that probably comes from all the years going back. Possibly, but we just made an assumption. Or? Maybe they have it from years going back. Maybe they connected during the winter. Maybe they connect during the week. And maybe they're happy just connecting on weekends. Uh-huh. means they might just connect intensely on weekends because they like the same things, and they just talk about that during the weekends. It has nothing to do with how many years they know each other, which is another example that we share many times when kids go to schools, they change schools, and they go, I came to this class in fifth grade, and that's why I don't have friends. And then I ask them, did anyone come after you and is popular? And they go, yeah, a kid came in a year after me in sixth grade, and within two weeks everyone likes him. He's the most popular kid. Uh-huh. So it could be that it's, that it's that they're together for years. It could also be that it's a type of personality. It could also be that maybe you need to be more outgoing, like that kid that comes in sixth grade. So how would you, how would you say, how would you recommend going from that formalism to this next level? Sort of what we responded to the last caller about having your agenda, having your topics. First, you scout out the two or three people that you would like to be friends with that are of interest to you. Second so thing I'm is you call them, you walk, sit down sometimes. with them, and you, you prepare two or three topics you can talk about. You just tell them, hi, how are you doing? 
you know, you want to go sit on a swing, or you want to go for a walk, or you know, you want to go later for a walk. And you go, stop, we'll schmooze, and they go, sure, it sounds good. And then you start going, you know, it's this and this happened to me, or I was thinking about this idea. You bring up the topic, and you start leading, and you see how the conversation goes. If it goes okay. well, you could even tell me, you know, do you ever want to meet during the week sometime? Do you want to go out for a supper? Do you want to have a phone call? Do, or, you know, can we just speak? Uh, whatever it should be. Whichever way to follow up during the week, or you just wait till the next weekend, and again you connect. You come up with a plan. You just go, hey, how are you? You know, I really enjoyed it last night or last week. You know, would you like to go for a walk? Do you want to learn Bukharusashaft a little? But more something, not learning as a learning, you know, more schmoozing, and then connects. This way you learn a little, and then you can talk the rest. Okay. And how do I, how do I deal with that issue? I have that rejection, the fear of the rejection. That is a great question, and I'd just like to announce the number. For those of you listening in, you can call and ask your question. The number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And about the question about rejection, what I would suggest or really recommend is in the book that I came out with a live, a 10-step guide to a vibrant life. We have over there basically that 10 chapters, and each one are meant to master a mania soy that I work with most of my clients. I would say most people, including myself, have certain issues that are human issues. In Chapter 2, we discuss about the concept of new beginnings. New beginnings means we start from scratch. You're, going, you're meeting now new relationships, and you sound like you're not a 13-year-old bacher anymore, which means you're going to new places. You're going to be having new opportunities. And rejection is a normal fear to have. If you're having that fear, then you know you're alive. And when we learn to overcome the new beginning stage, we understand that that fear of rejection, how rejected will we really feel now if we have our value and if we have our protection, our safety? If we have our mm-hmm. self-worth and we feel safe, yes, everyone's afraid. It's normal to be afraid, but we can keep on going. So what I would tell you is it's normal, it's healthy. This is a doubt or a fear that people have. Just move forward. Yes. That's it. Keep on moving. Okay. Thank you very much. And we'll Thank try you. Thank you. I appreciate the call. And the no number problem. to call in is 718-683-5858. And So what we're going to do now a moment till we get the couple of callers in coming in, we're going to take over here a question. And this is, this is a text that we've got. The text is as follows. Hi, I'm 28 years old. I'm now caught up in my second depression. I'm certain my depression is a direct result of not knowing how to handle stress. I changed already several jobs, and they were all too overwhelming, and I never succeeded, all because of the stress. All of my ex-bosses claimed I was very good at it, but I still, but I was still so pressured. I was always frightened I'll lose my job. Now I'm depressed and sitting home doing nothing. Do I still have some hope? And the answer is, of course you have hope. What's interesting is that I don't find that you have actually depression. From the little bit that you're writing, because remember, we're not diagnosing you from a simple text or a message that you're sending. But one thing is clear is that 
you might have, this sounds like anxiety. Anxiety is the fears of people attacking you, the fears of making mistakes, the huge pressure. That's called anxiety. And anxiety that you have while you're working and it's holding you back and you've gone through several bosses, several jobs, all of them, the bosses have said you do good work. So what's the issue? The issue is in your mind. When the issue is in your mind, that's not called depression. That's called anxiety. And for that, there's a lot of hope. There's therapy. There's medication. There's a lot of options out there. And for me, it's so sad to see someone suffering from anxiety and your life isn't moving on, not able to hold a job, when anxiety is very workable, very curable today's days, Baruch Hashem. So my recommendation is go for therapy, and from the therapist will guide you from there, Merit Hashem. If you need medication, take that as well. Don't hesitate. Don't hold back your life when it's so simple, Merit Hashem, so powerful to heal. And now we are going to go to Ms. B. Ms. B with Mordechai and Rav Nissim. Yeah, hi. Um, I am a counselor this year, and um, I have a hard time getting the girls to listen. I can be calling them a bunch of times. They're good girls, each on their own, but when they're together, they have a hard time getting them to listen to me. Do you have yeah. any tips? Well, let, let's realize the enormity of the question that you're asking. You're asking me to teach you an entirely behavioral level of how do you control a class. That's okay. a skill and practice. So many teachers, and for Rebbeim, they have a trainer's workshop for them, and it's about 40 classes. I mean, it's an entire year where you do once a week. You teach them how to run a class, and then you work on some of the details, and then you practice it during the week, and then you come back the next week of following up. So I just want you to realize the enormity of the question that you're asking. Ask me, how do you get control of girls for a couple of seconds? So the short answer is there are trainings for that. Mm -hmm. So if, if I don't want to take a training class, is there any tips that you want to give? Sure. The short version is for you to be clear what you want. Number two, for you to hang around the girls when you're doing it. It means... Come here and you be around them. Many times you can see someone like they're sitting with their feet up and saying, girls, everyone go in, and they're 20 feet away and they're talking to their partner or to whatever else. If you want something done, you've got to be present in the place. Uh-huh. Make sense? Yeah, and if I am, I generally am, but it's just hard and, to get them quiet. The I'm there, I'm standing next to them. You focus on easy girls. One thing about when people are, like, in public about leading is when you've got a lot of people together, if you can get five of the good girls, five of the good kids to go follow first, you'll find most will follow. Then you're going to have a difficulty with the four or the three, four kids that are challenging. And for that, you'll already need more training. But the main goal is be there. Be there in the process. Lead. Be involved. Like, come, we're going now. Take three or four girls or, or kids, the younger one, to follow, to start. And then you start telling the other ones, look, they're going. And once people see people going, you'll find most follow. Uh-huh. Okay. I guess yeah. those are pretty good tips that I could follow through. I have yeah. another question. Do we have time Go for ahead. another question? Go ahead. Um, okay. Um, I had a problem with a girl that um, I noticed that she seemed, I guess, a little envious of different aspects, and I was friendly with her and then became friendlier with her friends. Mm-hmm. And she felt after a while, I, I'm not necessarily the, um, I don't follow people. So like in her group of friends, she was, I can, you can say the alpha, 
you know, the yeah. girl that they they follow her. So my personality is that I don't I don't like fight it, but I don't follow someone. You know, I'll I'll go my own way, and like yeah. so a lot of times people will follow me. You know, it's not like that. Yeah. So. I became friendly with her friends, and since that's my personality, she got nervous that I'm going to take away her friends. So she started trying. She started like staying away from me, and like just just really trying to minimize our contact together. And just because of that, the other girls were friends with her first, so they kind of went along with her. I just don't know how I'm supposed to minimize their envy and i i mean i definitely am not trying to take away her friends you know i we could all be friends together well, let's take your question your question is basically and let me share with you how this is a problem many times in the business field let's assume someone is a broker let's say i have a house that i want to buy and then there's mm-hmm. someone that will tell me oh there and this and this guy wants to buy a house let's say we sign an agreement and i look at the house and i don't like the house so i'm not buying it but now mm-hmm. that guy knows that I want to buy a house. Now, can that person offer me another house with un- without undercutting the broker? Or do we always have to go through the broker? And this concept is what I'd like you to realize. In life, people might feel threatened by you. Even though that's not your intention, we cannot control other people's feelings. People that are confident and like you, that you can you know, dance to your own drum, beat to your own drum, and, and move and really dance to your own song, recognize that people will feel threatened. And you just want to continue being yourself. So you might tell her, by the way, or, or just make a conversation, I don't know if you're afraid of something, but I just want you to know I'm just comfortable who I am, and you can be friends with them or not. And if you think I'm taking them away, please tell me, you know, and I'll create my space, or I'll, you know, I won't get too much with them. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely them. mentioned that before. We've had a conversation, and I have said that, definitely. And she makes it seem as if, like, no, nothing's bothering her. Okay. And That's then at the not. same time, she's staying away. I, I mean, I would, I don't, there I really don't want There many reasons why she's staying away. You made one assumption why. But let's ask her. I, she, she did say that. She did mention that herself. That's, I'm not, what? it's not just an assumption. Well, then she said it doesn't bother her. Right. So I, that's why I'm a little confused. It All right, seems well, like maybe it doesn't would, bother her anymore. But at the same time, she's still staying away. Then maybe ask her, why are you staying away? I, you know, some, you can go up to her directly and say, I'm a good friend of yours. We're good friends. I noticed lately you're staying away. I know, she I've tried that. But she's still, she, 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 um, she, uh, um, what's the word? She's, she says that it's not true. She makes it as if, like, it's not. You know what I mean? It's well, a little complicated. Wait, you mean, so she's saying that you two are still best friends or good friends as you were before? Yeah. Okay, then, what you recognize is either she thinks you are, maybe other stuff are going on, and now it's time for you to let go. I mean, sometimes friends, people go through their times or their things that they're going through, and they're allowed to. Maybe there's difficulties going on at home, and her, she's in her mind more, and she's not able to open up to you, but in her mind, she is just as friendly as with you. But even though she's, I can, like, she's Give better friend. Space. It's very obvious. Yeah, I, I've space. been giving her space. The problem is that um, when next year, when um, I'm going to be together with her, I'm going to be in a situation that I'm being with her very often. So okay, that's right now. Space. It's not a problem. I just I'm nervous. 
focus on other friends now. Don't focus on her. She's allowed to go through her stuff. Maybe by next year her stuff will pass. Your goal is, I'm her friend, she's my friend. She needs her space, so she's separating a little bit. Give her, her that space. When, and she might, many times I know people during the summer they act one way, during the winter they act another. It's very interesting, but people are that way. Mm-hmm. So just know so, she is your good friend and set yourself up to start seeing who else will you pick as a very good friend. So you'll be focusing on that friend. And when, if she comes forward, you can do that. If not, then it's Right. Okay. So let's say I would want to prevent such a thing of, I, I know that I can be threatening a little bit, you know, because Baruch Hashem has many qualities to me, and people may feel um, a bit threatened, and I don't do it purposely, but it seems like sometimes that does happen to other people. I, you know, is there, do you have tips on how I can minimize that and make sure that doesn't, you know, prevent it from happening? Hello? I think that's already a completely different question now. Part of you is threatening. That's already a whole different question. That's now another 10 minutes. What part of you is threatening? How can you have a certain talent and qualities and people shouldn't feel threatened by you? No, There's not threatened, whole... meaning like let's say I'm better than them in a certain area. I you. That's threatening to people. And that is a completely different topic. So let's leave this question for another time, Okay. Uh, but it, it kind in. of is the same thing. I it's, know it's that, just... but the question is now 10 minutes, so we've got to move Oh, it's to 10 minutes to answer. Else. Oh, okay, so this fine. This is a whole new topic now. Yeah. Great. Okay. We are going to go to Mrs. J. Mrs. J, you're on Mordechai and Nissim. Hi. Um, first, I want to tell you that we really miss your full program that you used to do on J-Loop. Yeah. Um, I used to listen to it all the time, and now I had it cut short. <laughs> okay, yep. Well, to um, be honest with you, then I want to ask a question. Um, with my family um, now. I'm, how, I'm actually... how, like, what kind of um, therapy, sort of, or whatever it is, can I do to overcome certain sensory issues? Like, you know, when I become very sensitive, people, like, touch me or whatever. So sensory issue is the Department of Occupational Therapy. And there are some Oh, it's good a completely books. different thing. What? I'm saying it has to have like a physical type of thing. Sure. The only way to overcome sensory, I don't use the only way, one of the strongest components in overcoming sensory issues is actually having sensory practices done to you. And occupational therapists are especially geared for that. There are two, three famous books that people are using or reading about the sensory issue. And I'll tell you to really do your research. I don't like recommending books on here. So I'm not, you know, especially because they're not Jewish books, and sometimes they have some ashkafas about, I just don't want to, I don't want to make recommendations. But look into books about sensory issues, and it's really the Department of Occupational Therapy. Just know that it comes from either several things, but one of them could be very a lack of touch, and that's why I always tell parents it's extremely important for you to hug and to be able to kiss your children. They go, oh, I could do it. And I go, what happens when a kid turns seven? Oh, no, then I can't anymore. They're too old. And kids still need touch at those ages. It's very, very important to us. And even beyond that, to get a touch, to get connected, an appropriate touch, of course, but touch is extremely important. Well, those are one of the stuff. Sometimes it could be the other way around. When they're, not, when they're getting too much touch and not giving their own space, that's another time. Sometimes kids are just born that way, and they need to be taught 
those that don't feel enough touch or, or just don't feel like, sometimes people say they don't feel their clothing. They have like special blankets, like a heavier blanket. This way they feel it. Sometimes people say they don't feel their socks or their shoes. And they, sometimes people would put weights. There's like a lot of exercises that they would do. A lot of the classical, a lot of the classical um, sensory stuff are brushing. You know, having a certain brush and brushing yourself, having those like exercise bowls. You know, you see those big bowls that they have in the therapy rooms rolling on it, right. touching that. A lot of them are bending. No, it's like more like, you know, if, if it's like like people touch me. Like if I'm going to sit in a chair and someone's going to touch me, then like, I, I, it's issue. just you like I can't think anything besides so I get off me. It is the same issue that you've got. The, it's the same issue, and the way you treat it is you start slowly. But it's really the Department of Occupational Therapy. So you need uh-huh. someone to guide you. You need someone that's experienced. As you know, you're sounding a little bit more an adult-like that it's affecting you in many areas not just when you're sitting publicly. It is something that's going to affect relationships and with the family and, and in marriage and in many areas. It's a very important issue to work out and work on it. Go okay. for the appropriate All right, help. thank it's you. Workable. Sure, my pleasure. And we're going to go to Mrs. I. Mrs. I, you're on with Mordechai. Mrs. And M. for those of you that would like to call in, the number is 718 718- Six eight three fifty eight fifty eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. I'm looking forward to taking your question or comment. Mrs. L. Mrs. L. I'm sorry, Mrs. L. Yes, hi. I would like to know. Um, I have a hard time um, as a speaking. I have an easy time speaking to one on one, but it comes to a group setting. Um, I have a hard time with that. Could you give me any suggestions? How about we start? What's the difficulty in the group setting? I need some more information. I don't know. I find myself, my voice just gets lower. Uh, There's like a group of people talking, and then my voice gets carried away. So when you're again, notice how what little information you're right. giving that will take that will have a big effect in the group setting, which means in groups, someone's told me, you know how it works in America, the first one that breathes has to listen. We all talk, we're all yakking at the same time. The first one that stops is the one that actually has to listen. That's that, that, that's exactly what ends up happening. That's right. So many times in the Shalom Bayes case, when I when I work on that. What ends up happening is where the wife is so upset that the husband yells, and then when you sit with a couple together, the husband says, I know I'm yelling, but I want my wife to yell back. Don't be afraid of me. Part of what we usually work, let's say, with someone that comes in with your issues, we start teaching assertiveness training. How do you learn to keep on ter- talking? How do you learn to be able to cut someone off in the middle of speaking just when they're finishing? This way you're the first one that spoke over the other ones. Will you learn to raise the volume of your tone so this way you can project your voice and people will hear you? There's a lot in a group setting that have different rules, different dynamics in a one-on-one setting. And you might, mas- you might have mastered the rules of a one-on-one setting, but now we want you to master the rules in group setting. So how do I master it? Well... That's now a lot of training. So there are therapists that deal with social skills. Train this as a social skills for groups. You want to just learn the basic skills for that. So I've told you three of them. I've shared them with you. Raising your tone, being comfortable cutting in, and being assertive. Continue speaking even if someone tries cutting you off. You continue talking. 
Okay. How it's comfortable great... do you feel doing those steps? Um, I do. I do feel comfortable. Good. And the fourth point that I would add on, which seems to be a little bit the theme of this evening, of this program, is about having an agenda, having your topic set up. So when you're going to get to a group, know which subjects you're going to be leading, you talk about. So you but can usually do it. Even if someone a changes the topic, you go right back to your topic. Perfect. So even if someone goes, you go right back. And you know what was interesting about that and that? So this way you lead it. Okay. M- makes sense? Yes, makes a lot of sense. Thank you Great. so much. I have another question. Do you go have ahead. time? Go what? ahead. Yes, then let me just announce the number again. For those sure. of you that would like to call in and ask your question, the number is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. Okay, um, can I ask my question? Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Um, regarding, I, I have a hard time with um, past six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. I don't feel comfortable kissing them. I know it's a very, very, very important important thing, and I don't do that. How can I get myself to do it, to feel comfortable doing that? Um, Let me ask you, and forgive me for being so personal, so tell me if you'd like to answer this question. Why do you have a difficulty hugging and kissing your kids? I don't know. They're just, actually, it's maybe even older kids. Uh, Let's say, uh, maybe even older, 10, 11, 12. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the reason for it. Think about, let me ask I, you, I how were you? I enjoy the little kids. kids past and I kissed, a certain age? What? Were you hugged and kissed past a certain age? No. No, either not. Okay. Do you think that could be a simple reason why it simply wasn't modeled? It simply feels uncomfortable? It could be. Mm-hmm. It could now, be, but I'm learn so to do warm and, and, and you were never and, taught. What? What do we do when you weren't taught something? I have. I guess I have to learn the tools. That's right. So now the question is: Who? who think about who do you have can teach you? But it sounds it sounds so simple, but then when I want to do it, it just... It's not simple. That's why I noticed my question. My last yes. question was, so do it. I didn't make a statement, so do it now. Mm-hmm. I asked, who do you have that can teach you? That's where therapy comes in. There are simple concepts, but when you, weren't, you didn't see it, that's where the subconscious isn't programmed. You need to teach yourself. You need someone to guide you, someone to hold your hand. You will have certain problems. I can be brilliant in therapy, let's say, but when it comes to my issues, I am blind, and that's why I go to another therapist. So, so you actually go to a therapist it, for such a thing? Sorry, say that again. You actually go to a therapist for such a thing? I go to thing? a therapist every single week. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay, this sure. is something I, I guess that needs therapy. It's, and again, when, I, when you use the word therapy, don't think of yourself as chas v'shom, damaged, or chas v'shom, no, you no. You need just someone to coach you. If you have a friend, you can have a life coach with us. I'm not saying you need a therapist. You could even have a friend, but you need someone to speak to you that you set aside time, we'll discuss this every day or once a week, and I have to follow up with you with the progress. And 
again, I prefer licensed therapists because this way they can help you identify if there are other underlying issues. Okay. Thank you so much for your answer. Just and tell I... me, what do you hear from this one? What do you hear from, my, from, my, from this answer? What, what are you taking from it? That it's not so simple. It seems simple. The question seems simple. And um, I have to give more thought to it. That's right. And I want you to understand that as I'm telling you, I go for therapy every week because as smart as I can be in the therapy language, once it's my problem, I'm blind. And that's why Hashem made it to everyone. I am blind to myself. And you see that many times therapists with their children, they, they just do everything wrong. You have many times where you have Rabbanim tell me, I don't get this. My own kids are telling me the other Rav is bigger than me. But that Rav is the one asking me everything. So somehow the Rabbanim makes it to our children and to ourselves we are blind. And therefore we just need a fresh eyes, a fresh perspective. So is it, do I get help from a friend or do I get help from a therapist? Start with a friend that you feel comfortable to open up to and then take it to the rest. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for your answers. I really, really, really enjoy the show. I mean, it's it's hard timing for me because that's when I put my children to sleep. But I, I I try Monday nights to be to make it earlier nights, and I really, really appreciate the show. I am honored, and please, and, and I listen to for you. him as well. He is such a special person with what with what he gives up and to make this program work. Yes. Yes. Thank you all. Thank. Thanks to everybody who's involved with this. You're welcome. You're okay. welcome. Okay, Avnison, should yeah, okay. do you have a question yeah, or yes. would you like it's, to go? I, we got a phone, I got a phone call that uh, they didn't want to be on air. That a question like this: one of uh, the kids was uh, basically institute, and the other kids in uh, camps uh, out of the town. Uh, the question is if to tell the kids in the camp that they the 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 sibling in the institute or to wait with this. Okay, so let's let's understand the question of this now. Where you'll work it out with me together. Okay. If a kid is, is has to be put into an institution, I'm assuming now a psychiatric department or yes. ward or something. Yes. From experience, if it's a kid that's going through that, do you think that this person just woke up one day and now they have to be institutionalized? No, Let's uh, just think it out. Or generally, there are years of problems that's going on. They've probably tried therapy or tried medication, and that wasn't working. They probably, the whole house is turning over the entire time, and now they got to the less situation where they have to institute, uh, institutionalize a child till they could balance it. What would you say is the normal process? I'm saying we're around today. We're... Yeah, I, I think I think that you know if the if the conversation if they're visiting they going over there and talk about it to say yes now your sibling is is in institute you know just to reach a point that we couldn't do it uh, and that's it you know because it's no it's not nothing that come uh, in a mid in, as, as in, in a flash you know it's probably right. the, all the family all the, as you said all the house was uh, you know up and down when this with this uh, kid. That's right. So I'm generally a believer in uh, that we understand that the house must have gotten really hectic for someone to institutionalize, to send them to a hospital or to put them somewhere. Now, there's also another point. When people sometimes go to the hospital, they make this assumption it's like for life or something like that. It's not. 
people can be in and out 10 days. In fact, insurance even kicks you out. Even if you want to stay longer, they kick you out. So just for us to understand, when someone goes to a hospital, if someone has, is, someone has to be put in, into, in, into a place or whatever it should be for a short time, if it's an inpatient facility or an outpatient facility, whatever it should be, first of all, it's like, who said you have to tell everyone? It's question number one, unless it's going to be long-term. Number two is, even if you do choose to tell them, it's, you could make it very gentle and very easy. You know we're having difficult times. We need to send them to an inpatient facility where they could find out what's going on, just stabilize the right medication, get the anger or the pain out, or balance whatever is happening. And Merit Hashem, they'll come right back and they'll be balanced. What might be happening is that the kids are calling up every day, Mommy, what's happening with him? He was so upset or she was so angry and was threatening us. And also when they, when they, inst- when they put someone into an inpatient facility, many times... The behavior was so unsafe that they had to do that. So the kids might be asking, oh, what's going on, or how's the house so calm? So then the parent can say, we're working on something, or, or they're sleeping now. I don't have a difficulty saying that we're, we're, we're sending them somewhere, if you make it gentle and open. Okay, that's uh, sound fair. What uh, do you say to that? I, I, think, I think this is the, the right uh, answer. You know, this is something that, first of all, uh as as you said this is people uh, they the kids can uh, can see themselves the parents maybe maybe the parents are a little bit calm the question also is as you said before how how, how long is going to be institute and uh how, what what is the result on the on the family itself so that's right I know, but I, I would say maybe discuss with the local with the rabbi of the institute uh, no, no the doctor of the institute what what to do with this case if it's a long term not long term you know and see what is the progress of the kids before inform yeah. everybody that's yeah. why they didn't want to be on air uh, i just want to say something about the the the, the person that text about the medicine and stuff like this yes i was and this was between me and you so maybe we share with some of the people going on yeah and uh, okay this but i said it that uh, the person wrote that uh, the, the the person was uh, stronger when she did uh, when they they I don't know he or she uh, sit home and didn't do nothing, and do we know that uh, that boring the shemum the the big big bigger problems you know that I would say that first of all this person even though you are under medicine and all this stuff try to find some occupation something that to do something volunteer yourself go to the places you know that just take yourself out from the four walls and do something because when you sit home and there's no no lead to no place that's right so let's just in short we got a text message i was responding through her of nissen as we're doing this program about someone that was fired, uh, about this person with a second job, that they were fired twice. I said it sounds, or several times, it sounds like it's more anxiety. And this person said, no, the doctor said it. They went to a psychiatrist, they're on medication, and they got better. But then they got off it after a year and a half, and then they fell back. Well, then I have a whole bunch of questions about that. Then why were you fired a second time? And didn't you notice that you're starting to fall back? Why did you wait till you got fired again? Which again leads me to the step, did you have a therapist guiding you? Because a therapist might tell you what else is needed. Which means that when someone's on medication, medication is what opens up the mind to be able to work. But if you still have some negative stresses or some negative beliefs and negative ways of thinking, then the minute you're off the medication, you're going to go back to the old system. 
which means that's why people go for therapy and medication. Medication opens up the mind to think, and then therapy is the step that lets cleaning out the mind to learn a new way of thinking. There are negative thought patterns that will bring to depression, will bring to anxiety, and I still wonder what those thought patterns are that you have. So again, exactly to the way Arvnissen said, and thank you for getting back and forth, I think it's important and it's good that the medication works, but there's something wrong with the cycle here that's happening that we need an intervention of therapy. And here's where Arvnissen is right, and I'm a huge believer in in the behavioral component, that the halacha paskins with exactly what Rav Nissen said, that on Hanukkah we are not allowed to take off of work. On Hanukkah you have to work, because the, the Mishnah Brewer brings down the Batola, Mevi Lidei Shimum, being, doing nothing. So on Yom Tiv, when we have Sudas and when we daven and shul, and we learn, so we've got an entire day planned out. But Hanukkah, where there is no planned-out day like that, the Allah says it's usher to take off of work, because doing nothing for a day, Shimon will bring you to this depression, to the downside, and to everything. Which is, you not working will create a greater depression. I still think it is laced with anxiety, just from the way you wrote it, but again, since you're not my client, since I didn't do an evaluation, I have no idea what that is, and I would seriously consider getting to a therapist. We've got three minutes left, so Mrs. L, we'll take your question, and we'll see how quick we can do it. Hello? Yes. Yeah, is that me? Yes, it is. Okay. First of all, thank you very much for all your wonderful, amazing work. Thank you. Um, my question is a very um, simple, basic question. I think my daughter slipped in the pool area. She's usually the chilled out child. Um, she came up saying that um, she's afraid that she doesn't want to go swimming ever again. Now, being that I didn't want to feed them anxiety, I told her, that's okay, we'll see. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. I want to know if I did the right thing, and if I did, where does exposure therapy come into the picture? Let's take a step back. How old is your child? She's small. How young? She's four. Okay. Is this your first child? No. Have you never had a child to fall or to make a mistake and to be afraid? I don't want to do it again? I did. But in the and school, how did you deal with your other children? What? How did you deal with your other children when they had this mistake or this issue? I, I consider this more kind of a, um, like a traumatic experience, not a... I thought a drowning is more like a thing that a child can be afraid of. And now, why are you assuming that was drowning? I just heard that she's just slipped. No, no, she slipped and she drowned. Oh, I didn't understand it. What does it mean? No, she no, drowned? no. She drowned in the pool. How long was she under? Was it a second? Because kids fall. No, a couple of seconds. Three, four couple seconds. Of seconds. It's still, normal. It's still a normal thing that kids fall into the pool. Right. Hashem, we had Siata the Shmaya, and you were, and you got her, and but that's still normal. I know. My question is, what's the right way to deal with it? So again, I want to ask you: Have you never had any of your children that had a certain trauma of a certain experience? Um, no, because I remember when I drowned in the pool. It's it can be scary to a child. So you once had an experience where you drowned in the pool? Yeah, when I was small, I remember it. Yeah. So. 
here is a question in general. Whatever guidance I would guide you, the parent, the person has to not be afraid of that fear. I'm not afraid. Well, okay, so from my experience, the way you're still talking about that you remember yours will cloud your judgment. Okay, so... Um, I can sit so I'd ask I, your husband to make that decision. Let your husband make that decision. Because if you're oh. going to do the exposure therapy on your child, you've got to be safe and confident. And I am very like, confident. If I need to do it, I will. I didn't say if you need to do it. That's, we're, we're, we're talking about two different levels. I, it sounds like you're talking about the logic and understanding, and I know you understand what to do. I'm talking about emotions. My when question is in general when a child is afraid. When your daughter gets afraid, do you get afraid? Could you feel no, what she no. feels? No. Okay. I'll tell you what. This question is something that I discuss it with your husband. Whatever you both agree will be great. We've got about another 10 seconds left. So if you'd like, call in next week. But think about it. Discuss it with your husband. I'd like to hear your husband's opinion, your husband's thoughts. Thank you all for listening in and have listened for another amazing program. Merit Hashem, looking forward to having you and taking your questions and comments next week. Hatzlacha and Siyata Deshmaya. May we have a safe, protected week.